You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. First time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports. What are you guys doing? Putting on the foil. Every game. Yeah, you want some? No. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? <laughs> Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Give me a great The official supermarket of the Boston Bruins and by Red River Technology. Brought your cars with you, huh? Yeah, we're on the road. We're all set to go. Lace them up for some bees talk right now. We got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Sunday skate, I'll give it a big B plus. On Sports Radio WEEI. We're in it to win it with Andre Kasha. That was the quote from Don Sweeney. We're in it to win it. Or is that a reference to something that will happen tomorrow? Welcome to Sunday Skate, presented by Star Market and Red River Technology. Ken Laird here, Pete Blackburn, and Matt Kalman, who held the fourth down uh, very literally last week. And the final words of Pete Blackburn, I believe, were, you want a low-cost option? Look for Andre Kasha. In some form or fashion, Pete, that's how you ended it last week. I need talked into this one. Um, I'm on record as being a Don Sweeney fan. I think he's the best GM in town. But uh, if this is it, I don't get it. Explain to me why Kasha is the guy that's going to put the Bruins over the top in 2020. I mean, I love the deal. I love the deal because you you use your first-round pick, you get out of the back his contract, and you get a really, really good player. You get a really good player. Kasha's a really good player. Uh, You know, his numbers don't jump off the page, but that's because he's been playing on a very bad Anaheim team that doesn't score goals. That's where your numbers should jump off the page. If you're on a terrible team, you should be racking up the points. That's not how it works, though. It is how it works because there's always one or two guys on a on a bad team that goes out there and they cheat a little bit. They don't, you know, they're not on the right side of the puck. They're getting breakaways. They're cherry picking. They're racking up garbage time goals and they're down three and with, with a minute to go. That's that's where the n- numbers should be coming in. So he didn't even put up those numbers on the bad teams where he probably didn't have to. You know, he has a, he didn't play a meaningful game like probably the last you know two months of the season last year. He should have been racking them up. I mean, his biggest issue is that he doesn't stay on the ice. Well, that's he, just he it gets too. hurt. He gets hurt. Oh, he's, other uh, than that, they, they, they got away. They got away with Johansson last year because he you, it was pretty injury same, same prone. Same case with him. Injury. He was pretty injury prone, and he stayed healthy. So they said, "Oh, let's do this again. Only let's get a guy who's even lighter and smaller and more banged up." 
Well, it's a good point with Johansson. We were both skeptical of that deal, Cal. Sure. I mean, I will admit, I didn't think that was the good. We talked a lot about Stone and the guys they missed out on, Nyquist, etc. And Johansson was a success. Although, they lose in Game 7 and secondary scoring was still an issue. But I think that's that's nitpicking. They, they, they were in it and had a chance. But you brought up the, the health issues, Pete. He had, somebody said, six or seven concussions in yeah, four concussions years. concussions are an issue. Yeah. Six or seven. And, I mean... Why, this is what I want to say. No one's answered this question for me. Why did the Anaheim Ducks, who are in a rebuild, like you said, a crappy team for two years now going on, why did they want to trade a 24-year-old forward who scored 20 goals once who is under control for as long as he's under control? Why? I think the health issues are probably part of it. And also you get a first-round pick and you take on David Backus, who doesn't really matter for that team that's not going anywhere. So you get a first round pick out of it. But doesn't doesn't that, doesn't that slow your de- your your development? I mean, right now, the number one thing the Rangers are probably thinking is if we trade Kreider for a first, yeah, that's, that looks wonderful. But how far are we setting back what we've pushed forward with the Panarin sightings and the Truba pickup? And they're closer to contending now than they are to being a bottom feeding team. Right. So you are can't the, say are the same about the, are the, the ducks. ducks. Are they looking to strip down? Is that what it is? I would assume so. Yeah. So, I mean, that team stinks. <laughs> they should be looking to strip down. Well, Kasha. Is 24. Matt's right. He's got a lot of control left. One year left at $2.6 million, and then he's an RFA, so you might have this guy for seven or eight years if he's good. But beyond the, uh, the, the concussion issues, which it's tough to get beyond, Pete, he has, on the year, nine hits, nine delivered hits, <laughs> fifth fewest in the league. Nine. That's nine. He also, the shooting percentage, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, this is maybe an anomaly. Maybe he's playing on a terrible team, and, 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 and that's the ex- explanation, but he's He's scoring at a 4.46% clip at 5-on-5, ninth worst among regulars in the National Hockey League. So he's got concussion issues, and he doesn't hit anybody, and he can't score. Other than that, that, wasn't that like one of the top things that Don Sweeney cited in his uh, his conference call? Was that his 5-on-5 scoring? Yeah, but I mean, if you're not, if you're, if you're not, if your shooting percentage is below league average, and you're still, he still has what nine, seven goals, seven goals. If your shooting percentage is that low. And you ha- still are scoring. That's a good sign because the shooting percentage will come up. And so, like, if if I'd be I'd be concerned if he had seven goals and his shooting percentage was pretty high. Okay, that's one way to look at it, I guess. I mean, his underlying numbers are pretty good when you look at them. He's like the best Ducks forward on that team, which isn't just, saying a whole lot. Just don't cite any point any per sixty minutes. No, no, I have these written. No, down. no, no one plays athletic, sixty minutes I, in hockey game. I read the Athletic. He is an analytics darling, man. You, you're you, gonna love this. You used to people used to blow me away with the Ryan Spooner per sixty minute scoring numbers. He's Anaheim's <laughs> most efficient scorer per sixty over the last two and, years. And like you just like you just said, he's a kind of crappy team so what does that mean he's the best of the worst and i hasn't been that bad Listen, over the past two years I, you know i just want to go on record too that i'm not ripping the deal at this point because i want to see what chips fall now but if this is the only thing that has to be a disappointment is it fair to say sweeney bundled getting rid of david backus with his deadline shopping like he tried to do absolutely. two things at once i mean yeah, that's that's absolutely. it's not like crazy to say and he still paid the same price right we always knew it was going to be a first round pick so it's not like he waited too long or anything like that i mean he got the job done and he yeah for, but he for, kept for, some of the salary for flexibility for yeah but he kept only 25 percent. that's a, that's a hell of a thing to do considering you know the uh how much did the leafs keep on on marlow when they traded him right i, don't know, I thought they didn't keep any of it didn't they get rid of six and a half million of marlow for, for for their first round pick before the season began i don't I remember what the, what the what the financials were but i know that they i mean they gave up their first round pick and didn't get anything in return right okay so that's the going rate I mean, the, the we, fact is that this is the deal you, you, you i totally agree that it could be a good deal and it, it, it they actually 
this is what I mean. I even wrote this. They won this deal in in a vacuum. They won the deal. They got just getting rid of Bacchus and having the flexibility for this year and more importantly for next year, cap wise. You win this deal, well, and you then, can't say that. They if, no. If, if number one priority is this year, they did nothing yeah, to win for this year. That's what I'm saying. But they still win the deal because Kasha. Well, the first if, round if, pick. If, if Kasha scores one goal, he was better than Bacchus. You you knew the, you gave up a first round, pick, but you were giving up the first ammo. round pick to get rid of Bacchus no matter what. That if, was, you, why? if you had gotten why? rid of a why? first round pick and you got rid of David Bacchus. How many people would have been mad? Not a lot of people. Okay, but you're now at the deadline where you need a first-round pick to get Chris Kreider, right? That is gone. You are not getting Chris Kreider. Your first-round asset is gone. To get I mean, rid you of have back, well, you still first. Have, I said there are other first-round picks. The draft doesn't... Yeah, is that five years from now. Okay. That's probably you, you more could trade valuable than this, That's probably more valuable than this year's first-round pick because this year's first-round pick is going to be a high first. So if you're, if you're in New York... I'd be looking. I'd be, I'd say I don't want this year's first round right. pick. You're in first place in the league right now. Why the Bruins are going to tank after next year? They'll su- suddenly be the first pick. I overall? mean, you're, they might not be the first team overall in the league. I mean, they're still going to be a good team. I I don't know. That that seems like a hard sell to the fan base. We're we're going for the first round pick in 2024. That's when the Bruins will suck. 2021 <laughs> is not that far away. What are you talking about? You could trade first you, round picks in consecutive years. So you think they can still get Kreider? They could if they want to, if they really if they want to really mark, want if they to. want to go all in they can they can absolutely do it still I'm not saying they're going to but they, there is an ability to do that and when you say you're in it to win then maybe that's what you have to do and maybe if it's not Carter then you have to at least package some mid level picks to to bolster up that defense and make sure you're not one injury away from John Moore playing in your top six I, I mean, by the way I, I don't think that Carter is going to get traded I think that the Rangers are going to keep him. Well, they're only four points. That's what out. I'm saying. I think that I think that team is going to keep him. I and, think they want to resign and then, him. And then he turned to the guy you like, Palmieri, which is all well and good. And people putting out these cockamamie trade things on Twitter about Danton Heinen. Why do you think the Devils want Danton Heinen any more than you do? But you could ante up again, and because let's face it, we talked about last week, the Devils don't have to trade him. They can keep him another year and then do this same dance next next year. So you have to knock their socks off. So if that's a deal you're going to get done, which I think right now would probably be crazy to add another smaller forward to this lineup and not at any bulk at all, if you're going to make this team smaller, you're in trouble. But if that's if that's something you're seeking to do, you can still do it. You still have plenty of pro. You didn't trade. Like, where did Axel Anderson fit? Top five prospects? Barely, probably. So you oh, still have okay. the prospects to get things done. Maybe, you know, everyone talking. But you said the, they have listen, a bunch of untouchable Listen, just, be, just because the insiders say the Rangers are doing a cry to think for anything less than a first doesn't mean it's going to be 100% true. If you tell them you're going to give them Stadnicka, they might say, okay, then we'll take a Studnicka and a third. You well, know? I thought you said they're not giving up Studnicka. I'm, I'm, I'm just making an example. You can, you can, you can use what prospects they, they value and what prospects the Rangers value. Well, why give an example of a prospect they're not willing to give? I mean, they're not going to give any of the top prospects. They, they are not giving up Studnicka. All right, so that's one. What about Vakaninen or Frederick or, or Peter? They might do that. I mean, that's what it's going to take now. You, you better, you're going to give up some serious. Now, forget about if, if Kreider's not the guy. Brandon Sod's name has now come up as a serious possibility. And that's, I mean, that is the kind of player that puts you over the hump, does it not? I mean, a physical player who's got real seasoning and proven playoff scoring, I mean... <laughs> How long ago was that playoff scoring? Uh, okay. And, I mean, I, I, he, to me, that's one that you get on Monday at 2.59 p.m. for a third-round pick or something. I don't know what the Blackhawks are looking for, but I'm not taking a, I'm not going all in for Brandon Saad. Who hasn't been much? Has been a, pretty much a shadow of himself for four years. Well, he's eight, eighteen uh, except, goals except, this year. Except when you tell me what he's done, doing per sixty minutes, because <laughs> he's going to play that sixty-minute hockey game where. And they be, they better retain some of that salary. I mean, he's making six million on the cap, right? Mm. 
All right, tell us what you think of the Andre Kasha trade, 617-779-7937 here on Sunday Skate. Do you like it? And as you put out on the on the poll on the uh, on the SkatePod uh, Twitter account, Matt, if this is it, uh, are you satisfied? I think two-thirds of the responses said no. I mean, this this, yeah. this better not be it. The, the thing with the getting rid of the Bacchus contract, it basically, so, so they're saving $4.5 million next year? Right. That's established? Is that all going to keep Tory Krug? And if that's the case, well, no, that that's going to Grizzlick, DeBrusque, Bjork, Coleman. So it doesn't guarantee Krug is here, because if you would tell the average Bruin fan, all right, this trade means Tory Krug is staying around for for another five years. It's, right. it's a it's a lot easier to sell. Don't, I mean, I, I forget who said it yesterday, but don't you think that the longer this goes, the more you know you're going to have to. I think the longer you wait, the longer the higher the price is going on Tory Krug. Could be. I mean, you really, they should have announced a trade like the, the minute after they announced well, no, the Well, no, I, I don't blame them for, for uh, not announcing the extension at this point because you still have to keep some flexibility. You don't want to commit to paying some guys. Without it, you created this flexibility. You don't want to throw a $7 million contract on next year right now. You want to at least probably wait now to the offseason to see what you're going to be doing, or at least after the deadline to see who you're picking up. I mean, if you're picking up, let's say you did get Kreider. As, as remote as that possibility is now, clearly you want to resign him too, right? So you don't want to have a Tory Krug extension right now hanging over you that rules that out completely. I mean, I wouldn't mind it hanging over me if it means he's staying around. I mean, if he gets to the offseason well, no, and sits do, free agency, you just, don't you think you it's... Don't want to pr- you, can't, you can't put yourself in a position where everyone knows, okay, they're going to have to trade somebody big to clear the cap space at this point. Why would you put yourself back in cap jail at this point when you just got out? I mean, but people know they're trying to sign Krug. I don't know. Who do they have to give up now to get still to keep Krug? Heinen? Is that, is that the offseason move? They'll, they'll trade Danton Heinen? I've always said Krejci. Well, Krejci still. Krejci's the guy, I think. And but if I you mean, traded Bacchus at a first and still have to give up Krejci to keep Krug, that is insane. What would that's what happens op- when you what sign would- David Backus. Didn't they have other options with Backus? How else couldn't they have got out of some of the money on that deal? They were going to the buy out next year. I think it was like a two million saving. Or a, it was like a, a minuscule savings next year, and like well, two, two million. Not- it was two million the year after. So, so nothing next year, basically. Okay. That's usually how the buyouts work. Is that you don't really get anything in the long term because they gave him so much in I bonuses. Mean, I mean, that's maybe the biggest place where Sweeney screwed up on that thing was that he gave him so much in bonuses that the that the that the buyouts were never worthwhile. Last year, they they, they were like going to get penalized more for having him than, than for buying him out than for having him. I mean, it just it, it it seems like a trade for next year. It seems like they got rid of Bacchus for next year. So, did you win in the short term? I this Kasha deal is total. Question mark. He hasn't played since February seventh when you Muzzin went in the short term because you found somebody to finally take the Bacchus deal. Because <laughs> the fact is, it, it doesn't compare to Marlowe in the fact that he had that extra year, right? That's what was holding you back all along to so to finally find a team that would take him and just take a first round pick because everyone knew you were desperate to get rid of him and so, give up a good player like I, to right. get a good player while exactly. dumping the Bacchus and that's exactly what he is, is a huge win. He, I, I I will totally accept that he is a good player. If he's he healthy, is seven goals. I mean, I mean, he's he well, seems he's, like a marginal player. I mean, every I haven't seen one person knock his talent or his you know his speed. He has nine hits. He's he shooting four percent. I mean, you don't acquire him for hits. He's not a hitter. It doesn't make him an AHL player, Kenny. He's not hitting people. I mean, and he can't stay on the ice. But other than that, he's great. What would it, no one said great? I said he he's said a really good really player. good. I think he's a really good player. Well. I think you're overrating Andre Kasha. I mean, I think we're I think we're we're la- we're now putting such stock in Sweeney that it's like getting clouded by the fact that this oh was my just God. A, this was a back. Holy stuff. the the Don Sweeney love 
I thought he was Gandhi or something after he made well, this he trade. Is. People on Twitter were like starting a parade. They were getting the duck boats ready just to celebrate Don Sweeney made a trade. <laughs> I mean, he got like, rid of Bacchus. Like I said, like I said, had they gotten rid of Bacchus, given up the first round pick, that's it. Right. People would have celebrated that trade. Exactly. To, to get rid of Bacchus, use the first round pick and get a good player in and, return. I think that's a huge win for Sweeney. And let's also like remove this whole idea that, oh, because he's Czech, this is going to work. I mean, well, I think so, they're putting some stock in that. It's <laughs> been mentioned like eight times in the press release. I mean, Consider, so, considering how, how little enthusiasm Zdeno Chara has had for some of the Slovaks that have come over to this <laughs> team, I don't, I'm not putting any, you know, it's not like Krejci and Pasternak have been magic together over the years either. If they had just traded for Andre Kasha separately, what would it have taken? Forget about the back is the first round pick and everything, the prospect it gets like clouded in there. Is it like a third round pick for this guy? No, I think I think the first it probably no. He's a twenty four year I mean, old. If you if you control forward, sure. But I mean, you you threw the back is back is deal in there and and it still only took a first round pick and and like a mid level prospect. So maybe a second rounder or something like that. It's got to be less than a first round pick considering they were willing to take on Bacchus. I, I feel like they should have just done that deal then. Second rounder for Kasha. Oh, I d- uh, completely disagree. Why? Because you get you get rid of Bacchus. Because you don't know if you're ever getting rid of the Bacchus thing. You That's can't huge. go through this again next year, and you don't want to have that buyout hanging over your head. <sighs> hanging over your head? I mean, it's it's about this year. It's about keeping the first-round pick to get but an elite guy But it's never about this year. I mean, Sweeney can throw out uh, He slogans. said we're in it to win it. He's probably just giving the marketing department a slow a soundbite to put out some ads. I mean, he's not. they're always going to be towing the, towing the line between the now and the future. You know that. If you haven't been watching, that is why they do these deals. That, that is well, why they don't say we're in it to that win is why it. They don't didn't say show, that. That's why they weren't in on Muzzin last year. That's why they don't show up the defense when they're ma- trading guys for Coils and Johansson's because they're always thinking about the future, so they're not going to trade mo- more of the future than they probably have right now. I mean, I, I, I would actually, I'm not saying they're not going to do anything tomorrow, but I will be very surprised if they do something bigger than, than maybe just getting another def- depth forward somewhere. Joe Thornton, I mean, that's been thrown oh out as, as now the uh, the feel-good story. That, that would be, you know, to be honest, I think they could use a better fourth-line center, so if that's who it is, and they, they bump Corrali out of here. I think it's a low price. I mean, obviously the storyline helps, and the nostalgia helps, and I'm sure that's part of the reason why I want him here. But, I mean, he could be a good fourth-line center, a good net-front presence on the power play. And for the price, it probably won't cost you much. I don't I don't hate that move if, if that's the, where they go. I, I, I would agree with that. Now, what would it take to get Thornton? Are they so gonna you're going to put Joe for... Thornton in the lineup instead of Sean Corrali, and you're going to reduce your speed to that much and your physicality. Well, Not necessarily. He just said that. I think you'd move Corrali to the wing. Okay. Corrali on the wing has been pretty good. So Thornton, Corrali, Wagner, or some combination of that yeah. would be a fourth line? Right. Rotate seems, Nordstrom in. Seems slow to me. It seems like we don't need more. Well, is the fourth line good enough now? As you, no. As you, I mean, for some reason, they're just not clicking. I mean, Cor- I don't know, Corrali's had a weird year. Nordstrom's obviously, I mean, he's not in the lineup right now, so obviously there's something there that they're not telling us about his allergies and his you know, broken bones, whatever he has going on. Yeah. Clearly he's not 100%, hasn't been probably since the start of the year, maybe. You know, came back too fast from that injury or whatever happened. But he's been, you know, plus the guy blocks a thousand shots. I mean, he never he never shies away from a damn shot, which I don't, I'll never understand. Now, you're, one of your latest pieces at wei.com, Matt, you wrote about the competition for those that uh, Kasha could replace in the lineup. So who gets bumped here ultimately tomorrow when when he gets <laughs> after, in? After, well, it's funny that we, four guys. We've, had a, we've had we've been talking for like uh, fifteen minutes here, and we haven't brought up the ninth, the three debacle. But based on the nine to three debacle, I think Bruce Cassidy probably wants to sit everybody. <laughs> I, I, he, I didn't get that sense listening to him afterward, though. He, yeah, it was I one mean, of those. It was one of the old chalk it up to a exactly. back to back. Well, I mean, clearly, and... it, it seemed to me he hinted at a Friday night when he put Heinen with uh, with Krejci and DeBrusque 
that that he's, was, that, he's that, the placeholder, he's the placeholder for Casa. I mean, let's face it. First of all, Carson Kuhlman, guy plays his rear end off. Now, is he good enough to be in the top nine even? I, I'm not sure skill-wise he could do it, but he's always going to give you 100%. He's always going to be in people's faces, you know, flying around in the forecheck. He creates pretty well. He's got some decent hands around the net for for passing, and, uh, and just like every coach he's ever had, you know, Cassidy's in love with him, and you can't blame him the guy the way the guy plays. So I know I am a hypocrite because I love Carson Coleman, and he has one goal, and he shoots it about two. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's so. amazing. You know what? He plays so well that you forget. Until you look at the stats, you go, "Oh, damn! He hasn't scored since November." You know, it's like amazing how how good he is. So that's that's where he comes in. Whereas Danton Heinen, you feel it because uh, the guy has to be, you know, bribed into shooting the puck and you know getting involved. So um, clearly, he's the one. But I think it lights a fire. We, we've seen how this team responds to competition, and it definitely lights a fire. Maybe under Heinen, definitely under Bjork, and definitely under even DeBrusque because. Jake DeBrusque is so in and out. It's it's pretty amazing. And he's the one guy who, when they talk about, oh, you know, if I'm not scoring, i got to do other things. For some reason, he can't bring it. Well, he's not physical either. That's the weird well, thing yeah. about that line. Right. Like you're, uh, I understand you're Kasha. Okay, you don't expect him to be. But he and DeBrusque together are your wings for Krejci? Well, they're that not going to get one difficult defensive assignment the whole postseason, right? I guess so. You just start them in those zones and just hope they they score. And I mean, Kasha is not that bad defense. I mean, he's not going to hit anybody, but his speed does disrupt. And I think that he's good, like on the puck and on the forecheck, defensively. I, I think that that's an underrated part of his game, uh, and the the numbers show that. But I mean, he, he's obviously. I mean, those guys aren't going to hit anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so. Uh, th- again, that's what they did last year with Johansson, right? So I guess it's a it's a page out of that playbook. I mean, all they have to do is is manage to to. to Work the standings to their favor, where they play Toronto in the first round, and they'll be safe. They'll be done. In, they'll be done in four straight, and they'll have time to rest. Yeah, interesting night across the league. A lot of the uh, heavy hitters went down, including the Leafs. That was at home, not on the road. We'll talk about that coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that nine-three beatdown the uh, Bruins suffered, but mostly, want your thoughts on the Kasha trade and what the Bruins need by tomorrow's three p.m. trade deadline. This is Sunday Skate. You can reach us at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Pete calls Kasha a really, really good player. Really good. Really good. I think he has to say it. Seven I think he has to say it in the Larry David, you know, very, very, very really, really good. Really, really You're good. listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show, Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports, and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins, and by Red River Technology. And David Ayers, I'm sure can't believe what's happening to him right now. Played half the game, faces a shot, makes the save, keep the puck, David. You've just got a National Hockey League victory. 6-3, Carolina. I mean, you think about Tuesday night's game, right? And you think about how bad they were. Right. They were worse. Is that possible to come out and be worse after your game on Thursday where everybody's excited? Don't get excited about this team. They haven't given you any reason to get excited because they're not real and they're not contending anytime soon with that type of an approach. Jake Muzzin has it right. They want it easy, and when it gets hard, they don't just disappear. They fold like a cheap tent in a small wind. 
Beautiful. That's our good friend Craig Button, uh, who was joined us on the skate pod earlier this year. Laird Calvin and uh, Blackbird back, ripping the leash. Is that, is that a Canadian swear word? Like they're not real? Is, they that, how, is that how you. Canadians swear? I like that he says, like, when, when it gets hard. It didn't get hard. It oh got easy. You had a fake goalie exactly. in that. <laughs> All right, now explain this storyline to me real quick, Nick, because I want to know more embarrassing the Bruins going down 9 3 last night in Vancouver, or at home, Toronto loses 6 3 to. David Ayers, what's his, he's just some there, there emergency goalie. goalie. You, yeah. you will have to wait decades to find something more embarrassing <laughs> than losing to a 42-year-old. He's he's the, he's the Maple Leafs AHL affiliates Zamboni driver. He's out there in a, <laughs> with a Carolina Hurricane sweater, a Maple Leafs-colored mask, Maple Leaf-colored pads. He probably grows up idolizing the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he goes out there and beats him. But more embarrassing than losing to him is only taking 10 shots after he comes in the game. 30 minutes of hockey, they took 10 shots. I don't know what that is per 60, but I can tell you it's damn embarrassing. They scored on their first two shots and then took eight the rest of the game. Unbelievable. When did he come in in the second? Second period, yeah. So- they, had a, they had a two-on-one, and the guy passed the puck. <laughs> I mean, even Danton Heine would have shot there. Now, he's a really, really good Zamboni driver. Pete told me that during the break. So, very, very this good. David Ayers, don't, don't sleep on him. He has problems. Yeah, he has <laughs> and he can't shoot. But yeah, he's, he's between the pipes. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing is that how do you not see that as a golden opportunity? I mean, when my... <laughs> It was, they scored in the first two shots, and you're like, wow. This, I mean, I said to my my son was ready to go to bed, and I said, you're going to get up, and you're going to see a 20. I said, it's going to be like 20. The game's going to be like 20 to 6. Because you figure they're going to score on at least half the shots, and they're going to get like 30 of them. And they got 10 shots total, 8 after they scored. That just shows that this team has no gumption, no backbone. I mean, Craig Button could put it in the most polite Canadian way that he wants, but they pretty much suck when you consider $110 million payroll under the eight one and a half million salary cap, ownership lets them spend that far beyond the cap to put guys on LTIR forty something million buried in four forwards, and you can't beat your Zamboni driver in goal. But I don't want to hear anything. With, about, oh, I don't want to hear anything about that uh, Maple Leafs offense. I know they got all the talent in the world, but if you can't put more than two the goals on the board against and the Zamboni Hurricanes driver, had five defensemen. They took the, the best defense, the second best defenseman they have out of the lineup. But it's going to happen again. Bruins leaves three. I mean, uh, oh, I thought you. I thought you said it's going to happen again that they're going to play a Zamboni driver and lose. <laughs> Is that what give Tuca the week off and you know let Mister Grizzly drive or someone? It's destiny. It's going to happen again, right? It will be Boston, Toronto in the first round. Tampa. Well, Tampa's five back now because they lost. They lost two in a row. If Toronto bounces back from that last night and, and manages to get third place in the Atlantic, that will be a sign that they have a lot more character than I would give them credit for because. After last night, they should probably circle the drain. Yeah, but I mean, how much competition do they have? Florida well, that's just the competition is there, but I think Flor- but look at Florida. I mean, everyone's always, like, picking them as the team that flies under the radar. At what point do they look at, are they a giant disappointment? I think maybe it's when they're spending $10 million a year on a goaltender that I told Ken a thousand times wasn't worth the money. I mean, everybody so, said that that guy wasn't worth the money the what, second they signed that At what point do you, do, you, do you count them as a disappointment and not as a team that's flying under the radar that could surprise people? Well, well that's right. absolutely a team that should buy into defense at the deadline. I mean, if you're going to sink $10 million into your, your goaltending situation and then not put a defense in front of them. They play all the defensemen and forward. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we've been talking a lot about the uh, Kasha trade for the uh, Bruins. Pete is a fan. Uh, likes the player and obviously getting rid of the back is contract yep. for the financial reasons. I'm very skeptical, Calman. I think you're skeptical as well. I think I'm definitely skeptical. I mean, I called it a gamble. That's yeah. what it is. It's a gamble that this guy is going to perform if he's the only thing. If you're going to solidify this team 
and there's a and there's a, a world where Kasha is a is a third liner. Hey, I mean, you know, this is great. But if he, if you're counting on him to come in and be that number two right wing, it, it's a gamble. Well, the deadline is tomorrow. If the Bruins are in the mix for something else, who are they in the mix for? Right now, the top guy on like the TSN trade bait is Kreider. Pete, you don't think they're going to trade him at all now? Yeah, I think Kreider doesn't get traded. So beyond that, who's the top target? JG Joe from the Senators. Is is that the second? Well, he's he's supposedly getting close on a deal too there, so you know he might be off the board. That I mean, a lot of a lot of those lists are just you know TSN and sports that crossing their fingers that they have something to show for eight hours on Monday. I mean, so. really? I mean, I I think Sod is the top guy now uh, of this list. Now he's listed nineteenth here. Kovalchuk, I guess, from Montreal. If if they're going to trade him, uh, they, they list Tyson Berry. From Toronto, their defenseman is, is a trade bait guy. And I did see some people tweeting about this from Toronto. So t- the Leafs are going to trade? They're going to sell at the deadline? Well, as it was either Pierre Lebron or Elliot Freeman said, they'll trade him if they can get a controllable, good defenseman in return for their rental who's kind of, <laughs> you know, crapped his pants this year. I mean, so I don't think uh, that's really happening. It would be a hockey trade they're looking to make. So right. That was, uh, to shake it up? Is yeah, that what's hockey happening? trades don't usually happen when you're giving up a rental for a guy... I mean, they're not going to get a. They're not going to get a player of Tyson. I mean, all, the, Carol, all these things. Caliber. All these things are wishful thinking for Leafs because if every person in, in at least the Eastern Canadian media doesn't have you know their Toronto Maple Leafs underoos on every damn day, they're always hoping that what the what the Leafs are going to add to the lineup and how great they're going to be. You know, you realize. I mean, obviously, this is this is like the most obvious thing in the world. But do you realize we're one year away from the Maple Leafs matching the Rangers' fifty-four year gold Stanley Cup trout? That's pretty amazing to think about. Wow. I mean, of the trades that have happened so far, what's the most significant one? Is it the Penguins getting Zucker? Is it, uh, I don't know. What, there, well, I mean, you can, make, any... you can make the case the lightning, the lightning getting, yeah, Toffoli for sure, and Coleman. I mean, I think those are two great things. I mean, you had a guy like Coleman to that, that lightning Especially lineup. Coleman at, at term. Like, yeah, to, for Coleman exactly. to be on that team next year, too. He's part of that. Yeah, you know, If you look at the, the cycle, I would say it goes, you know, JT Miller, Nemestikoff, or Nemestikov Miller, and now you go to Coleman, who's you know younger, like you said, and under control. I mean, so they've managed to get fill that role with a with a similar type player, but save a lot of money on it. So Tyler Toffoli scores two last night. Probably nobody was up to see it. It was yeah. in the third period. Goals seven and eight for Vancouver. Uh, his first two goals as a member of the Canucks but, but, after the trade. By the time Toffoli was scoring goals, the Bruins were playing like a team of forty-two-year-old Zamboni drivers, so it didn't really count that much. But it was just good to like rub a little salt in the wound. You but know? the price on that was a second-round pick, another conditional pick, which I don't know what it could be, and a pretty high prospect. A high prospect, Tyler Madden and Tim Schaller, the former right. Bruins. That was so just to make the money work. If so. the if the Bruins made that deal, what would the price have been? Uh, who was the prospect there? Whether they'd be looking for. One of their yeah. top guys, I guess, is yeah, that comparable? Yeah, a beacher of Akinainen, I would say. <clears throat> so in hindsight, would you have rather have seen a second-round pick at Beecher go for Toffoli or the Kasha deal, which, Pete, you're saying really the whole thing is to get rid of the money and, and maybe keep Krug next year, and uh, I don't know what they're going to do with the money this year. We'll see. I don't look at it as an either-or. I look at it as you should do both. And if you add Toffoli and Kasha you're right. to this I mean, lineup, if I, had, if I had to pick one, I'd pick, I'd pick the Bruins deal just because he's he's – you know he's got an extra year. You get rid of the Bacchus contract. Uh, you don't have to give up a top tier prospect, at least in the system, and and you still get a player with a pretty high ceiling. All right, Fred in New Hampshire was not a fan of the Rick Nash trade. We know that. Let's see if he's a fan of the Kasha trade. I know Fred, you've been scouting Andre Kasha out in Anaheim thoroughly. This oh year. yeah, right. Ken, Pete, Matt, morning. 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 Hey, yeah. So you're going on and on about Kasha. We haven't even seen him here. So what do we know what we have? Uh, you know, 
two years ago, a 20-goal scorer, was it two years? Um, the whole deal was to dump the back his salary, and they dumped it. What's the matter with that? Well, what's the you matter, Fred, that? is you gave up your first-round pick who you could have used for something else. Mm, we're going to be 30th uh, first-round pick. Who knows? That's a crapshoot. And that's almost a second-round pick, basically. Um, but, you know, come at 4 o'clock tomorrow, if nothing changes, this is a very, very good team. I mean, uh, last night was the anomaly, but um, and I was up to see those goals by Tefali. But anyways, um, you know, I would like to talk about Lazan. Yep. What we have here is an Adam McQuaid all over again. And 2011 wouldn't have happened without Adam McQuaid. We, this guy is, you know, he's got the same pedigree. He, he, you know what you're going to get. And uh, he's, I think um, in the long run, we're going to find out that he's more important than any trade that we've gotten. And again, I say this team, you, you've watched them this year. They're a very good team. Why Why do we keep saying that you got to put this piece in, that piece in? And I know the regular season means nothing, but I like what I see from this team. And the, the last thing I want to talk about is Halak. If he isn't a seven-player award this year, get rid of that award. Take care, guys. Thanks, Freddie. That was way too positive. I am very positive. Oh, my God. Fred. I mean, uh, Lazan, let's start there. Uh, is he set? I mean, because you've been saying he's they could have so- used he's, Dylan. Or- he's solid. Absolutely. But we don't know what he's going to be in the playoffs. You don't know what he's going to be when, when, the, when the – you need to have experience D. I mean, if, that, if that's been proven, you need to have experience D with an edge. So he has the edge. Is he still going to have that edge in the postseason? And if what's, what's he going to do under the bright lights of the postseason? You, and not to mention – when he has to have his role expanded when there's an injury. And let's face it, we say when. There's going to be at least one defensive injury at some point in the postseason if you're going as deep as you want, right? Well, so well, last need... year they did pretty good other than Char, you know, Chara's jaw, obviously, but um, they stayed pretty healthy on the back. They got back through line. great, but they didn't win. And the fact is, you know, you know, John Moore, you know, maybe at some point you say, okay, John Moore is a, to steal Pete's term, a very, very good, you know, seventh defenseman, eighth really, defenseman, really, good. really, really good defenseman. But how about someone who's not just really, really good? How about someone who's an excellent eighth defenseman? Now, I'm not saying you're going to go out and get some top four guy. And I'm like, fill that. Tyson Barry, go get him. But there are, <laughs> there are guys that can handle it better, guys that at least bring more of a playoff style to the game. And let's face it, John Moore doesn't show that playoff style. He's kind of just out there, you know, facilitating instead of being a, an aggressor initiator. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lazan had the fight. Uh, you saw Coyle fight last night, so they've, they've had a little more of that. Halak's another interesting guy. Uh, he had, I think, some a couple of key saves in the Calgary win. Uh, what was the other one? The Rangers game. Uh, he had a, he had a pretty pretty big save in the third of a two one game there. I mean, he's been sneaky good. Rask getting all the attention and the Vezina love for sure. But somebody brought up uh, that they should trade. Um, <laughs> they should trade Halak. Uh, was, was some writer for I, for our, our website? I couldn't make I, heads and tails of what he was trying to say about that, but. That was one of the more comical things I've seen this year. It was basically saying that they should be creative and that because he's playing so well and because there are teams that need goaltending, that you could probably get a haul for him. But I don't know. He, I mean, ba- I and basically saying that with only 20, at the time, I think there was 25 games left or 28 games that you say, well, yeah. if you're giving Tuca, maybe they're planning to give Tuca 16 of those 28. Maybe you give him 20 of those 28 and the other eight you just plug in with a with an AHL guy. 
I mean, when you you're giving up those points, when you're jogging from yeah. position, it just doesn't work like that, and you can't uh, you can't sacrifice. Not to mention the the injury aspect of it. You're basically you've put so much. You want to say they put enough into this season? They've put a lot into this season in terms of resources and times of money. You're not going to take the chance that if Tuka Rask got hurt, you're putting yeah. your postseason hopes on Dan Vladar or, or Max Sove. <laughs> so it just doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, it, unless no. you're, unless you're the Leafs or someone like that, where you you decide that backup goaltending is is a fad and we're not going to invest any money in it. Now Tuca was at two point oh four goals against average. It went up to two point one seven after last night, and a save percentage went down six points from nine thirty four to nine twenty eight. <laughs> so that it crushed his Vezina candidacy. I don't know, but then again, uh, uh, Tampa's goalie Vasilevsky gave up seven last night. Right. I think in uh, in Arizona. So uh, maybe it's all for a moot point. The last point Freddie made is, hey, this is a good team. Right. Why are people no, whining? No one's arguing it's not a good team, but they need to be a good playoff team. And we know how tough this East, the East is, and we know how tough it could be. You know, there is some – we talked about facing Florida or Toronto. There's actually a lot of good arguments to say that you should finish second in this division because you don't want to face, a you know, a Columbus or a Philly or someone like that in the first round. It's a, a lot tougher task. Well, the teams I really would worry about are Tampa, Washington, and Pittsburgh. And, yeah. and last year they avoided all three of those teams in, on the right, way to the Cup Right, but wouldn't final. you rather have a Florida or Toronto first round where assuming you play up to your standards and you don't go seven games with Toronto just to make everything exciting, you might actually come out of there with less banged and bruised when you take on a Tampa or a Washington as opposed to last year where, I mean, we can't forget how banged up they were by the end too. Yeah. I mean, Marshan obviously had the bad hand. And Pasternak never really was recovered, and other things were going on there. So, you know, the, the the easier path is always the better path. And I think going back to Fred's point, I mean, this is this is definitely a good team, but I think that also that's part of the reason why you have to you have to go for it. Like right. the window is pretty small, and you have you have Chara here, you have Krug here, you've got you know Bergeron having a good year, you've got all these things working for you. You have to go for it while the window is open. And it's a good team, and everybody else has improved, too. Washington's a much better team this year than they were last year. Obviously, they had probably some Stanley Cup hangover, and they, they made the right you know moves getting uh, getting Gudis and getting guys like that in there. And uh, and then getting Dylan, the guy that Bruins probably should have been in on. We've seen, we've seen that now. And then Tampa clearly has made – well, I guess we won't know to the postseason, but it seems like they maybe they've learned a lesson. They seem like they're playing – a more straight line game now. They're not well, dealing they around the first two two months of the season, well, so that they'd have to play meaningful games. Exactly, the the that, that, that's definitely helped them, right? But and then you add, you know, a Blake Coleman to that lineup, and I mean, those, that team. You know, you talk. Don Sweeney loves to say the lifeblood of your organization is your drafting and whatever. But the Lightning, much like uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, and even Vegas to a little bit, I guess, but mostly Pittsburgh and. and uh, and Tampa, they find these guys. They had these guys in the AHL. They plugged them in, and, and not only do they hold the place, but they thrive. I mean, who ever saw like Anthony Sorelli becoming what he's become, and, and Yanni Gordon? These guys, they they really have a, a niche here where they plug these guys in. So they're and that makes them better now too. Sunday skate presented by Star Market and Red River Technology. Final thoughts on the trade deadline coming up next. Laird Common and Blackbird on Sports Radio WBI. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show, Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports, and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins, and by Red River Technology. Well, it's a benefit, and that's typically how these deadline deals go for teams that are adding. Um, you know, listen, David, I wish him well in Anaheim. Uh, you know, he was part of three teams that made the playoffs. He was a part of that. Uh, we made a decision this year. We wanted to, you know, change the sort of our personnel or, you know, the makeup of it. And 
Um, so, you know, that part's always tough. And same with Axel. He seemed like he, you know, he's a great kid, hardworking kid, but that, that's the price of doing business. So um, I'm glad it wasn't someone off our roster. But again, those are Donnie's calls. We, you know, just try to make it all work at the end of the day and to have another asset that's going to come in. Um, I can't tell you when, but it won't be tonight or tomorrow. It should benefit us. That's why we did it. Bruce Cassidy, of course, Bruins head coach, talking about Andre Kasha, who will join the Bruins, we think, tomorrow, wearing jersey number 28. Of course, they don't play until Tuesday, but do you think he'll be back in the practice mix? Calvin, we'll see. In the practice mix, at least, yeah. I don't yeah. know if he's playing in a game. And we were talking about him this morning. Analytics darling, he is part of a group that generated the most shots per 60 in the NHL last year in 515, Calvin. Per 60, straight, Matt. I got Heard that straight, it. straight from the athletics, so stick oh, that in your pipe. It has to be true. And clean zone exits. Great puck carrier per the analytics. We'll see if that transpires. Uh, one great goal scorer in the NHL who finally got to a 700 is Alexander Ovechkin at the age of 34. Uh, a lot of talk about whether he could pass Gretzky at some point this year. Do you think he'll actually do it? He, or not this year. I don't think that he's going to do it this year. Uh, in, in, in his <laughs> career, of course. That would be a hell of a... Well, maybe, maybe if he's playing against the 42-year-old Zamboni driver. 894 is the uh, Wayne Gretzky mark, so... He's Ovechkin's 34. If he stays at this pace of .61 goals per game, Pete, he'll get there in 2024. And Ovechkin, amazingly, hasn't missed a game he, since 2016. Well, he'll he'll he do has, it if he wants to do it. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think I think that if he if he keeps playing and he stays healthy, and I mean those are two big ifs, but you know he's he's trending in the right direction. I think it, like the the motivation has to be there, and I think that he he sees Gretzky's record in in his sights and i think that he wants it now um but like if he wants to be like yager where he's kind of like mediocre to uh to not very good for the final three four five years of his career and he's scoring 10 to 15 goals per year then i think that he can do it he he's already to me he's a better goal scorer than oh, gretzky was i mean that era that he that gretzky played in some of the goalies and uh, i mean it's the hard goalies to and, the, and the defensemen remember that right. we're not that far removed from a generation where defensemen couldn't skate or at least maybe only two or three of them could skate and i think so. the guy that played net for the the hurricanes was probably better than half the goalies that <laughs> right. gretzky played against no, I saw well, Mike... plus plus they were they were wearing their pajamas instead of goalie <laughs> pillows gear. on their exactly. on their right well mike bossy said something like uh, who knows how Ovechkin would have done with a wooden stick and yeah. uh, if he played in our era uh, oh god! With the yeah. red line in, etc. Back in my day, yeah. yeah. So, Whatever. but it comes off. The only, there's two things that'll stop Ovechkin. One, the motivation. If he wants to keep doing this, I mean, obviously, if if the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics, he might get pissed off. He might go play in the KHL. Who the hell knows? The other thing will be, uh, and you know, you don't want to bring this up on a Sunday morning and make people throw up their breakfast, but uh, a work stoppage. <laughs> you don't know what the well, uh, if they lose a season here, he probably won't. He might go to the KHL. Well, I think. I mean, they're here. they're guaranteed to not have a lockout into, for like the next eight years right. or something. Something like that. Well, that's if they just keep letting it roll over. But are they really going to let that happen? Do the players hate escrow enough to keep letting it roll over without an agreement? Only five NHL players have scored 150 goals after turning 35. Recky is one of them. The others are Timo Solani, Mark Messier, Brett Hull, and Yager. So he's going to get it because just he's. I mean, you watch him now. Do you see any diminished returns? Is the fact that he won't at least play this way for two or three more years? So then he'll he'll have enough in those two or three years where if he does get into that spot where you're saying where he, he drops off, first off, he's always going to be a power play threat. That's not going to leave him. So you, that's like almost 20 goals guaranteed probably right there. 
And, and it's not like he's beating. He's not. It's not like he's scoring twenty goals because right. of his speed. Right. It's, and, he's, he's just, and it's not like he's, he's camping. It's out not like he's getting tough defensive assignments. It's, there's so many things in his favor, and he does. It's a small blip, but he does get a lot of empty netters too. Yeah. He seems to always be out there. But this year, uh, he's trailing uh, Pasternak, of course, who scored two last night. Another uh, breakaway. Uh, so break with the breakaway question on this team has gone way up. And I guess Kasha is a good uh, shootout guy, right? So there you go. If nothing else, there you go. That's huge for the playoffs. Well, yeah, yeah. So if Game seven of the final goes to shootout, we're in good shape. Well, nineteen games left. We'll see if uh, they have some overtime games that could decide things. Uh, real quick, just looking at the schedule ahead. This is one of those weeks they finally come home after the four game swing. Calgary Tuesday, Dallas Thursday, and then at the Islanders next Saturday. I yep. think on a matinee. Uh, right. What do you think? What size up the week that is here for the Bruins? Just mostly the the trade deadline and, and the Kasha debut. Let's see what they do on Monday, and then we'll have to see, we'll we'll know more about what's going to do the rest of the week. Those are three tough teams, though. That's I mean I I think the Bruins' schedule down the down the stretch isn't very tough, but I mean this is a pretty tough week coming up. All right, we will be back Sunday next Sunday at uh, eight a.m. for another edition of Sunday Skate. Don't uh, miss us on the Skate Pod. We uh, will have that posted Thursday this week, reacting to the trade deadline as well. I'm Ken Laird for Matt Kalman and Pete Blackburn. See ya. Don't forget Mark James, Jermaine Wiggins, Courtney Fallon coming up next here on Sports Radio WEI.